1: It was through the cross that God conquered Satan and sin and death and hell. And it was through the cross where we received forgiveness and cleansing and promise and purpose and adoption.
0: Well, it was yesterday that we began a look at the message of the cross. And today, here on Study Verse by Verse, Pastor Leighton Sheely will continue that look. It really is quite an amazing look that the Apostle Paul lays out for us here in first corinthians won't you join us and be encouraged as we explore the message of the cross as found here in first corinthians chapter one from church of the highlands here in san bruno let's catch up with pastor Layton now and today's broadcast of study verse by verse
1: now only a few miles from corinth was athens And both Corinth and Athens had more than their fair share of clever orators. But Paul preached the simplicity of the gospel message. And the power of that message was by the work of God's Spirit. Verse 18, the message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. You know, when God came to earth, he didn't come in a manner that most people would expect. And when we tell people that have not heard about Jesus Christ that the God of the universe, the God who created the universe, was born as a baby, as a helpless baby, to a virgin and raised in a poor peasant home, was never known for writing a book or leading an army or commanding an empire. He was killed between two criminals by a means of torture that is, one that is perhaps unparalleled in human history just in order to satisfy his own sense of justice, God's own sense of justice. That just doesn't make any sense to them. It's foolishness. Why would a God go to all of that trouble to allow himself to be tortured and killed when he, as prosecuting attorney, defense attorney, judge, and jury, if he wanted to save mankind, all he needed to do was dismiss the case? Foolishness. Nonsense. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. One man... Dying on one cross among so many, on a nondescript hill among so many, in the far corner of the earth, would determine the destiny of every person who ever lived. Seems stupid. I mean, there's no place there for man's effort, man's accomplishments, man's merit, his attainment, his understanding. There's no space for man's pride. Paul says the word of the cross is foolishness. Greek word there is moriah. It's the word from which we get moron. It's moronic. You ever sat across from somebody trying to tell them about the story of the cross and Jesus Christ, and they look at you like you're a moron? It's it's been going on for 2,000 years. Paul says the word of the cross is foolishness. It's moronic. It's nonsense to unbelievers who depend on their own wisdom to those who are perishing. And that to those who are perishing is a description of what's going to happen to those who reject Jesus Christ. But we who are being saved know as the very power of God. You see, the message of the cross reveals the power of God to meet both His requirements for justice, because God is a just God, and His requirement for mercy, because God is a merciful God. And the message of the cross is that God created mankind. Mankind sinned. God loved mankind. God became a man. He lived a sinless life. He ministered and performed miracles for three years. He told us of God's love for us and of things that the natural eye could not see. He went to Calvary's cross to pay for our sins and to redeem us from slavery under sin and the eternal death that results from sin. It was through the cross that God conquered Satan and sin and death and hell. And it was through the cross where we received forgiveness and cleansing and promise and purpose and adoption. So we who are being saved know as the very power of God. The word of the cross includes the entire gospel message and God's work and plan for man's redemption. It, 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 in its fullest sense, it includes God's total revelation for His total revelation from Genesis to, to, to Revelation centers on the cross. And because Christ's work on the cross is the pinnacle of God's revealed Word and work, to reject the cross is to reject His revelation, and thus to perish. So you see, when it comes to the cross, there are two distinct perspectives. Some people look at it and say, it's, it's just foolishness. It's crazy. And yet others look at the cross as the most incredibly beautiful expression of God's love and His power. You know, as Christians, sometimes we can't understand why people would reject the message of the cross. I mean, it makes so much sense to us. Why why can't you understand this? Why would you want to reject the message of the cross? And Jesus said in John 3.18, There's no judgment against anyone who believes in Him, but anyone who does not believe in Him has already been judged, ...for not believing in God's one and only Son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world. But people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. And all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it, for for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light, so others can see that they are doing what God wants." And so Jesus said that judgment would come upon some because those people loved darkness more than than light because their actions were evil. Those are people who want to conduct their business in in dark because they don't want other people to see or know what they're doing. Romans chapter 1 says that people who love darkness want to suppress the knowledge of God. They, They don't want to hear about God. They don't want anybody to talk about God. They don't want to hear about how God is humble. Because they're not humble. They're arrogant and they don't want to be humble. And they don't want to hear that God is sinless because they want to continue sinning. And they don't want to hear that God loves people because they don't love people, they love themselves. And so hearing the message of the cross reminds them of how far they are from God. And they don't want to hear it. And they don't want anybody talking about it. And if they can't use the force of government to silence the knowledge of God, then they'll use something else. They'll use peer pressure or intimidation or social discrimination. They'll build a a society where those who express the knowledge of God and the message of the cross are looked upon as though they were morons, as though they were fools. And to them, God has something to say. As the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. And so what Paul uses is a quotation from Isaiah chapter 29 to emphasize that the wisdom of men will be destroyed. And this is prophetic, this passage is prophetic, and it's going to receive its ultimate fulfillment in the last days when all of mankind's philosophies, and their objections to the gospel are going to be swept away. But it also had a more immediate significance and fulfillment. You see, when Isaiah made this prophecy, Sennacherib was the king of Assyria, and he was planning on invading Judah. And so the Lord told His prophet not to worry or fear, because Sennacherib's plan would fail. And it would fail not because of the strength of Judah's armies, or the brilliance of Judah's generals, but because God would intercede on their behalf. And in fact, that's what happened. God did. Uh, He, in the middle of the night, he sent one angel. One night, one angel, 185,000 Assyrian soldiers killed in one night. One angel, one night. You see, God had continually told Israel that he would fight for her if Israel would only continue to trust and obey. But you know how people are. We are inclined to want to solve our own problems and fight our own battles and use our own ingenuity and our own strength and our own power. And sometimes that predisposition of ours gets in the way. You see, one of the things that keeps people away from the message of the cross and Christ and the Bible And salvation is that they disagree with the gospel. It doesn't fit their way of thinking. They can't understand how something could be accomplished without their efforts in some fashion, their wisdom, their strength. Since God in His wisdom saw to it that the world would never know Him through human wisdom, He has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. It is foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven, and it is foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended, and the Gentiles say, it's all nonsense. But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. The foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans, and God's weakness is stronger than the greatest Of human strength. So uh, Paul references two groups in representing two approaches to God that would not work. First is the approach by the Greeks. Well, the Greeks were known for having a love of human wisdom, they were known for the philosophers and philosophy. In fact, philosophy is from philosophia, and that combination of Greek words means the love of wisdom. They had a love of wisdom human wisdom. It was all important. It provided them a perspective, a paradigm on the world that gave them uh, uh, some kind of standards by which they could understand the meaning of life and values and relationships and purpose and destiny. Of course, it was all a man-made perspective. But unfortunately, some of the converts that were coming into the church at Corinth were not only carrying in their philosophical factionalism, but they were also bringing in some of the philosophy that they had espoused in their pre-Christ experience. And that still happens today. Many people come to the Lord, they come into the church, and they still carry baggage, philosophies, worldly perspectives that they were conditioned in before coming to Christ.
0: Well, a real challenge, to be sure. When we come to Christ, as the old hymn goes, nothing in our hands we bring. Simply to the cross we cling. Well, there is more to come. We'll reserve that for tomorrow as we close the week out. Here on Study, verse by verse, with Pastor Layton Sheely from Church of the Highlands right here in San Bruno. As always, a pleasure spending time with you studying God's Word together that we might be mutually encouraged in Christ. If you'd like to know more, as always, we invite you to our website, highlands.us. That's highlands.us. And then join us tomorrow, as we'll close the week out in 1 Corinthians on study, verse by verse.